Hi, I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott. And, and everything's coming up Gary. This is the theme for today's show. <laughs> the theme for today's show. Algin called us up and asked if we could change our format. Hey, Al, how are you doing? Don't I sound like Randy Newman? Don't you like the theme to today's show? I love it so much. <laughs> it's is... dorky. I had to. <laughs> no, no, no. That is the greatest song, and it was uh, written in an elevator. By Gary and Ellen's Weibel. Uh, Gary said, we should have a song, you know, about the show. And he goes, like, this is the theme from Gary's show. And by the time they got down, he had all the lyrics. Of course. Amazing. I love that. Oh, God. So Al Jean is that voice that you hear, obviously. You know him. You love him. Uh, Al has come on the show and broken our format once before. And he said, we need to break it more. Yeah. <laughs> uh, first time, if you didn't listen to that episode, it's one of my favorite episodes we've done on Everything's Coming Up Simpsons. And it is about the critic, mm-hmm. uh, which we obviously love and shares DNA, of course, with The Simpsons. Uh, this show also shares DNA with The Simpsons because of so many of the writers on it. Um, for anyone who hasn't seen uh, It's Gary Shandling's show, I can't recommend it enough. It's a little hard to track down. You could l- illegally download it or you could buy <laughs> it maybe. But I I love this show. And if you haven't seen uh, the documentary yet that uh, came out about Gary Shandling, mm-hmm. uh, definitely watch that too because you get some good insight on that and Larry Sanders show. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all so great. But uh, to talk about it, Al Jean. Uh, pleasure to be back. Yes. <laughs> and uh, I just want to say I love that documentary. Jed Apatow did uh, the Zen Diaries, uh, diaries of yeah. Gary Shandling. But I, I worked with the non-Zen Gary. <laughs> the Gary that was like on the way up. And I loved him. But it was not like, oh, let's see. What's the joke right, here? Right, <laughs> right. I mean, we'll get into it. <laughs> um, I was going to say uh, this is the second time you're breaking our format. The third time I, I believe you alluded to maybe off podcast that ALF could be the third entry into our holy trinity what do you say ali oh absolutely yeah. he's making a comeback <laughs> yeah he is in pog Every... form he's back <laughs> no, in, in elf form yeah i need yeah. some gary shandling pogs i think that's what i'm saying that'll be i mean then i quit that is yeah. the snake eating its tail uh so yeah just to again kind of wrap it in for our listeners because obviously the people who listen to our show um are our simpsons nerds they want to geek out about the simpsons you know this obviously has so much uh in addition to like the writers and people that are attached to it just joke wise if you like the simpsons and you want a live action comedy this is this is the show for you i mm-hmm. mean it, it does so many cartoony zany weird funny things that are i mean it, i guess parody in some way making fun of other types of shows in, right. a, in a way that is so satisfying so again um if you're jumping into this episode of the podcast and haven't seen the show yet you'll still love listening to al talk about it with us because there are just so many great things to talk about here so don't be frightened yeah. by something new it's going to be wonderful you're going to love the, it the show is better than me talking <laughs> the first season on dvd off, watch the... <laughs> I, mean, I, don't, I don't know when it comes to the youtube clips of the show i don't know if you guys have got I, in preparation for this show, there's some really bizarre, like, really tinny, like, you know those YouTube clips where it's like a copy of a copy of a copy and mm-hmm. then it's only in the top left corner? That's how I prepped. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where I'm coming from. So this is probably better than that. Well, I mean, it's early to say. It's funny because he did the Larry Sanders show, which is more uh, well-known and easier to obtain on DVD, but... 
when the It's Curious Handling show came out, and I'm objective, I think, because they didn't work in the first two seasons, it was just uh, groundbreaking. And, you know, for 1986, it was really unusual. And yeah. wall-breaking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but on the show, it was funny because we started realizing the only person he really likes to talk to is the camera. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> like it's like just, a mirror. Yeah, because he started feeling like he's like a god. And, the, you know, everybody else is just this little character that he can move around like a mm-hmm. chess piece. and. Um, it was very interesting. I think Ed Solomon in the documentary that he mentions, like he said to Gary, you know, the problem with your show is none of your characters have an interior life. And I was thinking that we probably said that to Gary on a day we had to work till three a.m. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, so I also um, I love that documentary, uh, and I watched uh, a little bit of it again to prep for today. And I really love. I like wrote down that line because I felt like that must have been. And I feel the way he talks about that moment of like saying what could potentially be like his firing to his boss it like you know exploded it seemed like his whole stance on the show and from there at least in the way that the documentary presents it everything kind of changed and shifted out 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 of that and he you know stopped being as interested in doing the show and then took a break and then did larry sanders afterward it seems yeah what happened was he you know was this guy who was rocketing he was hosting the tonight show and Mm -hmm. then he did that first show it got tremendous reviews but he started to feel like it was kind of an empty experience for him and as you can see from the documentary and we had hints of it when we were there. He had a terrible childhood, very traumatic. Yeah. And, um, you know, he just – it was a kind of a strange thing. Like you would talk to him and on camera he was really charming. But, like, he'd be wearing these dark glasses privately and reading, a, like, a sharper image catalog. And like, Gary, I'm trying to pitch for your show. Can you, yeah. <laughs> like, look at me for a little eye contact? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, he, he, you know, he just started going, you know, I want to do something that's deeper. And so people kind of overlooked the first show, which I think – is is you know when I saw it aired and it had nothing to do with it, I thought it was one of the most incredible things I'd seen. Yeah, because there wasn't anything like it on TV at the time. I mean, 1986. That is, it's so the con- let's to back up a little bit for people that haven't actually seen the Gary San- uh It's <laughs> the Gary Sanders show. Excuse me. <laughs> Jeez, wow. Salamander show. <laughs> it's Gary Shandling's show. It is a show about comedian Gary Shandling. Um, who before that wasn't super famous, right? Or what happened was he got on a lot of comedians in the 80s, the same story where they, uh, another documentary I was in, I just do documentaries and podcasts. <laughs> like, That's a good gig. <laughs> That's a good circuit. <laughs> but uh, the Johnny Carson one is different people like Drew Carey and Gary. Where that was the big thing in their lives, mm-hmm. like the change. Before that, they weren't that famous. After that, they were incredibly successful. Right. And he did the Carson show, and he was great, and Carson loved him. And then he got a lot of uh, you know Vegas offers, and he did a special, his 25th anniversary show, mm-hmm. uh, which they have clips of in the documentary. And, and it was, the joke was off because he hadn't done a show for yeah. 25 years. <laughs> and, which I love. Yeah, yeah, it was like a, a Mr. Ed who was swearing. And, and again, stuff like this was so new, so unique for the yeah. 80s. Uh, that he got a deal with Showtime to do his own show, and that's what this show was, the Gary Shandling show. Um, And it was funny because he was definitely in line for The Tonight Show. He was one of the people in line, and he just... Knowing him, he just did not want to. I used to write jokes for the Tonight Show for him with Mike Reese, and we'd like drop them in his mailbox at midnight, and then you know we'd get like one joke in, and he'd go, "That was great, one joke. That was." I mean, he wasn't being facetious. It yeah. was like that was a lot for him. <laughs> 
So it was a, something, but he just didn't want to do it. He would always go like, ah, this isn't my regular job. I don't want to be a host. I don't want, mm-hmm. you know, he'd like to be a host where he was making fun of hosts. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's sort of where like the genesis of its Gary Shandling show sort of came out of. Or He, he yeah. did he did some specials for MTV where he talked to the camera. And, you know, as people have discovered, you know, and now you see it a lot. Talking to the camera, you know, I mean, she shows like The Office and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a ubiquitous form. It It's a really, you know, great way to, to be, you know, intimate with the audience and to be funny in a way that, that you immediately connect. And so he said, I want to do a whole show like this. Mm-hmm. And um, he partnered with Alan Zweibel and they wrote this brilliant pilot. And some of the episodes, we just have this hilarious, there was a thing where the, he couldn't remember what he had done the night before he had had too much to drink, the character, and passed out. And then they go finally go to the end of the show, and he got naked, and he was wearing a big black dot, like a, a yeah. TV dot. <laughs> he just goes, that was the funniest ending, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, we've hinted at it already, but the, the show breaks the fourth wall in uh, in not just a, like, like select moments. The whole show is aware of itself. Mm-hmm. And that's what everyone's freaking out about Deadpool over. Everyone's just like, I can't believe it. And it's just like, you guys, this came, this Gary existed Shandling a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> Gary Shandling did it instead of Simpsons did it. It's so funny. I'm going to start shouting that in public places. 100%. I mean, 17-year-olds already alienate me. So, you know, it's just like par for the course. <laughs> well, it's funny to see you guys feel old. That's a fun- <laughs> I know. Fucking finally, right? Yeah. <laughs> My whole life. Not so easy. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, but yeah, like I, I love a lot of shows that are, you know, just very standard sitcoms. And I love kind of the predictability of them at times and find them to be very comforting. Yeah. But to see it, you know, I think people would do this uh, as viewers themselves, just like, oh, I bet this is going to happen or this is where this guy's going to somehow know everybody's name or, you know, like the tropes that you see in TV. Mm-hmm. And to have such a smart character come on mm-hmm. and do it for you in a way that's far funnier than the viewer could normally do is just, it's very, like, it blows you away. Yeah. I think also what really stands out, I mean, he has such charisma in communicating with that audience you can just tell like you know the thing that makes him such a great stand-up is you know that kind of just immediate warmth that i feel he projects of like that smile that he would use to kind of up a joke if it didn't quite like he could just say it is own cadence could you know just like uh heighten what he was doing and so i felt like with the format of its gary shandling show that needed to be and it's sort of when you compare that show to the other like comedian gets a sitcom type shows you know the biggest i feel comparison is like seinfeld you know i kind which of which actually like, came later i know it came, yeah yeah but like it it is kind of interesting how it's like very similar but very different but very um you know personal to those uh specific uh stand-ups and what they wanted to do and i also like that it's a meta commentary on like tv and show business but it doesn't ever feel mean no which i feel no. like is a secret sauce to that he had, kind of thing had a real gentle spirit and um it's funny we actually had a, an option of uh mike reese and i back in the early 90s we could either go to the simpsons or work on seinfeld and we're like oh i can't work on seinfeld after shandling oh, <laughs> it's like, i can't right. do two in a row like that because you spent your whole day trying to think like gary yeah and i love seinfeld but like your mind would start hurting because he's like a guy who's really tormented and then you would one of the writers max Pross, said the best way to pitch a story was to actually make it happen to gary in real life and then go hey there's this thing that <laughs> just yeah <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. What's the story you could do for the show? Yeah. 
So in writing, I mean, I was that was going to be one of my questions to you. Like, was it, you know, exhausting in, in that way where you felt like maybe you didn't even know yourself anymore because you were so embodying this, like, big personality for your job? It was the craziest thing. You would do these drafts. They, they, he was a, a great comic, and he would have great ideas, but he could not make up his mind. Mm-hmm. And so you would get an idea from, you know, or clear an idea through him with two days to go till the read. And you would write this thing, and we would have reads that would get big laughs, and then they would just completely rip it apart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, the rewrite would be funny, and it would get laughs. But sometimes something would bomb, and then he would do an ad lib, which was actually a joke from the first draft. And the audience would, like, really be enthusiastic, and we go, wait a minute. <laughs> I was there all week. Why were we up till 3 a.m.? But it was, you know, he 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 was. It was the first quote like prestige show I worked on, and it's certainly like I was very grateful for the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so what uh, what is the timeline for you in terms of your career uh, and and where Gary Shandling's show falls? We were working on Alf, and um, we had written Mike Reese and I a spec script, The Golden Girls. That's how old I am. Where um, <laughs> um, the, the Dorothy character hit uh, Mother Teresa, uh, and the, the plot was that she was really Mother Teresa, and everybody hated her and called her a nun basher and things like that. <laughs> and Gary liked it, so that's why we started writing jokes for him. And then after two years, they offered us a chance to be on the show. So we went to the Shandling show in 88 for the last two seasons, and then uh, because of that, we got a job on The Simpsons. So that was, uh, you know, you should say, us, Tom Gamble, and Max Pross. Uh, David Merkin and most importantly Sam Simon worked on Shandling before The Simpsons. So then what was funny is like the Shandling show was the lowest rated show on television. And we went off, we worked for The Simpsons <laughs> for the summer, and we came back and we go, gee, we're also on the number three show. <laughs> so then we got very cocky. <laughs> like nerds that turn off and do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you got it. I think we're all angling to get cocky, to earn the right to be like, <laughs> don't look at me in the eye. <laughs> so I, when I'm watching a new show, I always like to start from the, bar- the very beginning just because that's my preference. I always just like to know kind of how it evolves over time. But uh, we asked, you know, if you could kind of choose one episode for us to kind of center the conversation around which episode that would be. And you chose the one where Gary goes golfing. So what is your connection to that episode? Or what about it do you particularly well, I co-wrote it and it was Gary's idea. He said, you know, I should go to this golf tournament, a charity, and I hit this shot that hits the poster boy on the head and, and nearly kills him. And <laughs> it was a really funny idea. And they got this really cute kid that got hit on the head with a golf ball. <laughs> <That's great. laughs> But one of the funniest things about it was it was a show where we made the charity a Catholic thing like Boys Town. And Gary got so depressed because everybody hated him that he was in his bathrobe just moping around all day. So the last shot of the show, it's the Catholic priest, Gary in his bathrobe, and a little boy. And so we were doing a commentary with Gary. We were going like, Gary, when was this shot ever innocuous? When, when was this shot something that people would just yeah. see as mild? And, you know, and, things, and he laughed. The things had really changed. But it was a, uh, an example of how funny he was because that was mm-hmm. his idea. And it was one of the episodes I was proudest of. Martin Mull was in it. He was great. Mm-hmm. And that, things would be a little easier on those weeks if you had somebody like Martin Mull who was great. And, you know, Martin Mull would would be funny so Gary wouldn't be so nervous about He was very, very insecure for a guy who was that funny. Yeah, I feel like that kind of goes hand in hand, though. I mean, it yes. goes really deep into the documentary. Can't recommend this enough, but um, the way that he approached comedy as an artist in that sort of like never being satisfied, you know, per, uh, the trajectory of that and, and how it could be great for ambition, but terrible to live with on the day to day, it seemed. Um, so, uh, I mean, I'm sure you've talked about this ad nauseum and 
so many different um, documentaries and podcasts that you're doing in addition to ours. But, you know, (laughs) if you could go through maybe uh, and we will talk about this episode, too. But I just want to know, you know, like some highlights of writing for the show when you weren't uh, there till three in the morning. Or maybe that was uh, a highlight because you're all in this together and it has that kind of SNL Tuesday night mentality. Well, this is the whole uh essence of the show for us is we had written like three of the last six shows and we had a read that we thought was funny but Gary didn't like it so they called us into a meeting and they said you don't know how to write the show and we're like we wrote every other show like, <laughs> we don't. and so then we said okay people love to say that to writers I know and they, we said okay we'll quit and they go no no don't quit <laughs> oh my god amazing and, and uh, you know Gamble and Pross had similar experiences and uh, Alan Zoybel you know who who worked with Gary you know Again, I love Gary, but there was a lot of up and down and mood swings, and it was a really tough thing to like. Just you know, one of our jobs was just going. This is funny. You're funny. This is a funny thing you're doing, mm-hmm. and you kind of had to just keep saying it to him. Yeah, like you're his therapist or something. Or yep. yeah. But what's some? Uh, we keep talking about like the self awareness uh, and how that plays a part in his comedy. But in the Larry Sanders show, that's so often what you need to have his character have happen every single time. Of like, yeah. does my butt look too big? Is my hair good? And mm-hmm. it, you know, in the pilot. He gets a mirror that he immediate like we immediately get to know just how self obsessed he is and mm-hmm. you know what a neurotic narcissist he is. It I've never really seen anything like it. It's so remarkable. Mm-hmm. But the saving grace, uh, the funniest like Mike Reese used to go, he can't sing, he can't dance, not the greatest actor, but he's funny and he's just really, really, really funny. One of the funniest people I've ever met, and I've met a lot of funny people. Mm-hmm. And um, you know he could just make you laugh, you know, in conversation like in two seconds. And, yeah. To me, he uh, he reminds me a lot of kind of just like very old school comedy. Even though obviously his he's so new at the time, but like uh, like you know like Jack Benny type of things, and also like yeah. if you watch the Jack Benny program, like how Jack Benny would talk to like I guess kind of the audience at times. You're exactly correct. And the other one that it was like was Burns and Allen. Yeah, because yes. oh, yeah, yeah. They, they talk after the show. Yeah, yeah, like when they you bring someone up. up afterwards. I always love that in the show. Mighty mm-hmm. Boost did that really well too in their uh, that BBC show. If anyone's ever seen it. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's something just so classically funny about it. Yeah, yeah, I love the wrap-ups. I mean, well, again, keep teasing it. We'll talk about this episode. We will, guys. Stop <laughs> okay. honking your horns as you're listening to uh, in your car. Um, but I, I, that's actually like my favorite part of of the show because it just feels so pure. Like of and in this particular episode that we're going to talk about today, um, you know, Martin Mole tries to like take that moment away from Gary at the end to yes. like wrap up the show. <laughs> I don't know. There's something also that kind of links it in a very pure way to like children's television <laughs> that makes me feel warm and fuzzy when I watch. Oh, I'm it like, is like yeah, it. Romper Room was a show when I was little, and they yeah. used to talk to you, and you really thought as a kid they were talking to you. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah, you yeah. could see you it, in the, Ren in the and little. Ren and Stimpy did that, it's and I same, loved it. But it's the same techniques that he's using to connect. With with the viewer in yep. like that Mr. Rogers-y way, but not intentionally all the way, but it's like it still resonates with the viewer in that way. It engages them, and it is that like, what did we learn moment in the episode, and it's really funny, especially for an episode about almost killing a child. What did we learn? <laughs> uh, so before we get into the child murder, uh, mm. let's take a quick break. How many times have you said that in a day? <laughs> I'll think about it over the break. <laughs> Hi, I'm Dave. Hi, I'm Graham. And we're two house DJs who have been trapped inside our drum machine. We love it here, and we'd love if you stopped by and visited us every week on Stop Stop Podcasting Podcasting Yourself here on MaximumFun.org. We're just a couple of doofuses from Canada. 
and listen to our show or perish. Stop podcasting yourself on MaximumFun.org. a good break. I forgot the question you asked, so I'm not going to answer. Please don't. (laughs) Uh, So uh, this episode specifically is so fun. Um, It, I mean, you know, it's it's the type of show that you really could watch out of order because they all do have more or less the same type of like comforting. I mean, the format is different. Well, I don't know. It's kind of the same every time. Just like Cheers is the same every time, where it's yeah. just kind of like I will love every episode of this no matter what. <laughs> like it's yeah. always going to have something that's going to make me laugh in it, and it's comfort food for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is more challenging uh, intellectually than other shows that are as funny, or you know, it's funnier than other shows because and if you of that. Want to see how insane we dressed in the eighties? It's also a good show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like these the crazy shirts that like go out to everywhere. It's really and and the, you know and the at the pants time pants with the pleating. <laughs> it's like male culottes. And he and he was like a stylish like thin guy, but he just looked like this crazy. Yeah, looking yeah. at it again, it was nuts. Uh, so you talked about how like it was a, a feat uh, to get one joke in, but this is an episode that you wrote uh, for people that um, aren't in the TV world at, at all. I think that the idea when you see. Like, written by credit you usually think that from top to bottom they did absolutely every single line that's often not the case it's usually more collaborative um but uh what is the level of uh actual like what percentage or or just talk to your experience i guess about like uh how involved you actually were in writing an episode of that show well that show is his idea that episode and then we wrote a first draft in two days had a really great read and i would say maybe 15 to 20 percent of our draft survived and you know but it's being written by him and Alan Zoybell and Gamble I mean he's the funniest guys in the world oh, at, yeah. Ed Solomon and Merkin mm-hmm. so I, I mean it, it was all really good and and everything sort of had to go through the filter of Gary's brain so it would you know he really would like even if you gave him a fragment that he used he would be very generous and say oh that's really funny and that's really yeah, great that's good but um you're totally correct in comedy I've Honestly, you know, I've credited on 50 scripts. There's never been a script where I wrote all of it. And mm-hmm. in the most, I don't know, Simpsons maybe was like Lisa Sachs. I wrote 40% maybe, 30%. I mean, yeah. it's really every, – everything is collaborative on television. It's the biggest um, myth. You know, I see like <laughs> reviews like in the AV Club where go, the script by so-and-so. And I go, but – Yes, but. I know. I know. <laughs> there was a there was an idea that someone had that is kind in theory but poor in practice, which is people were kind of lobbying for the idea that you know scripts in reviews list who wrote it, but it's often like yeah, someone's name will be on it and they didn't even touch it, especially for a big yeah. a big movie. You're often going to get people that aren't even union mm-hmm. writing some of the best jokes you've ever heard, and right. and they're not going to get any credit because of that. So it's great in theory, but we haven't quite nailed how to equally you know give well, credit. Yeah, movies have their own like crazy like percentage co-writing 12 writers on you know minions 2 or something <laughs> um but when it comes to yeah like tv writing um that's the thing that you know for people that uh talk to me about like uh you know wanting to get into tv writing at all it, it is kind of like a son of a bitch where you are writing by yourself and like working so hard your, your scripts that you send in to get the writing job are wholly you and you're sweating over it and and 
that's like the last time if you get that job, the last time you'll have to do that. <laughs> From there, it's like, yes. I wouldn't say smooth sailing, but it's, it is like, you know, oh, thank Christ that I'm going to be in a room with other people that are basically telling me what I should put in my outline. <laughs> I don't know we're doing I, it together. I mentioned this last time is we had a writer on The Simpsons. I won't name the writer, but we had said um, he, he was funny but difficult and didn't like let other people's ideas. And so I said, you have to be nicer to other people. And then he came <laughs> back the next day and said, I've thought about it. I can't. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so collaborative. I, I mean, want to say that uh, maybe Josh Weinstein also told us that story. Maybe there's more than one person. That's but really it's, funny. I, I love that. I love the efficiency of that. I find that to be really great. Well, it's good to know your limitation. It's good to yeah. know what you can and can't do. I've thought about no. it. I can't. <laughs> I wish more people were as direct as that. I don't want a slow death. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's great. Yeah, so this episode in particular, if we want to jump in and talk about it a little bit. Yeah, and we don't even need to do like what we do on a Simpsons podcast right. where we kind of go beep by beep. But we would just love to know kind of some of the contributions that you specifically remember uh, having made or just a process uh, with writing it. Anything that you have to share, including highlights. And then we could also share mm-hmm. our favorite moments because it's just it's wall to wall with laughs. It's such a good episode. It's so fun. Well, we put in the Irish priest character, the whole idea that it was a Catholic charity and um the the funny thing was is that we had this great uh, actor who was playing the Irish priest, and then we went back and did a second show with Martin Mull where we tried to get the same guy, and he was the guy we couldn't get. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was like everybody else was available, Martin Mull, but Amazing. we couldn't get this guy. And um, at the reads, we often would do the voices uh, ourselves before they had the actress cast. So I did the priest, you know. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, you just like – people like Tom Gamble would always be doing like the reads and doing voices and getting – but then it would be funny because the guy would come in after the read and go, like, well, you guys got laughs because you're doing the voice. It's not really funny. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like a self-defeat. Oh, my God. I have like, so many friends like this in comedy. <laughs> no, no. I, I've known stand-ups. They seem like the most, you know, incredible, friendly people on stage. And uh-huh. then off stage, they're just like in this blanket of gloom, so depressed. Not it's, all, so but definitely many. some. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I often think stand-ups are like people where uh, not all. And I love stand-up comedy. I think it's a brilliant profession and you have to be incredibly talented. But they're, they're people with something to work out, that they mm-hmm. are really depressed because of some terrible thing. Yeah, you know, like Chris Titus, for example, where they you know (laughs) murder in his family, and then you know they have to like get through it on stage, and it's it's like therapy, you know, it is Mm -hmm. to get the laughter. Yeah, yeah, and and then you have why some people dress funny. Yeah, (laughs) everyone has their thing. (laughs) Yeah, well, I was going to say, and then you have you know people like Maria Bamford who are coming at it from a different perspective. I mean, she's hilarious. She's hilarious. Yeah, but it it that one feels so much more positive from where she is sort of mining comedy and what her contribution in what she wants to do with comedy is too. I, yeah, I love sort of taking in those different styles because, and not to go on a stand-up comedy tangent, but um, I remember Paul Tompkins talking about this uh, once where he described uh, how he had this firm belief that in order to be truly funny, he needed to be depressed all the time and to be going through something. And um, he realized one day that that did not need to be the case, and he was embarrassed that it took him that long to realize that. <laughs> well, it's funny because, you know, Seinfeld is certainly, you know, unparalleled. And he, I don't know him personally, but I don't find him unhappy. Like, he seems just meticulous and machine-like. Uh-huh. So I think you can be somewhat happy or somewhat successful, yeah. you know, and that. But it doesn't hurt to have, like, you know, something where it's really driving. And Gary was the opposite. Gary was... If you see the documentary, he had a, a brother die when he was young, yeah. and he had real problems with his mother. And, um, he, you know, 
he he had a really a girlfriend who was on both shows, Linda Doucette, who was very nice, but um, she wanted to have kids, and he just couldn't because of what happened to his brother. It was so like, sad. Like, yeah, truly, really like, sad. Out of like, it's just a drama. Yeah, truly. Mm-hmm. Even their relationship alone, like any one of those things, I feel is enough to make for a pretty hard time. <laughs> and all yeah. of them happened. It's really amazing that he was able to stay who he was, or that it maybe that is why he is who he was. But. Yeah, when you experience the first act of Ray the movie, <laughs> <laughs> and then on top of that, get you know what did the he said it was like having Donald Trump as a woman for a mother is I think what somebody described her that as. Plus, she she was interested in. Romantically, like not a joke. Yeah. yeah, which I found out, you know, after he died. So it's just really bizarre. And yeah, the other like... thing that happened to him is the, the reason he got into stand up was because he was a writer and he got into an accident. He got out to look at his a- uh, damage, and then a second car hit him and damaged his spleen, and he nearly died. Oh and that God. was an experience that made him go, "I got to just like change my life." Wow. Yeah. And he got, yeah. So he had just one thing after another that happened to him, and. uh we also when uh, there's a show we did where he brought in photos from his childhood and it was in Arizona and it was all these like really blonde, you know, upbeat kids and then he was just sitting there so depressed. Oh, <laughs> boy. And it's like that one picture I just thought just summed it up, you know, you saw mm-hmm. this kid who had become who he was. But he was also he wasn't you know, he he it wasn't just like a walking like nightmare. I mean, he was right, really really funny when he's on and funny when he was not on camera. I mean, mm-hmm. really funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, the lessons I, again, can't plug this documentary enough, but like I feel like, you know, such a perfect pairing would be watching this documentary, watching this episode that we're talking about today, watching, <laughs> which we'll get to. But um, uh, it's like but Chinese all of food it, and a little ice cream, yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. But I feel like it is, you know, whichever place you fall as far as like being a creative person, or if you are pursuing stand-up comedy or pursuing writing or this or that. Like I feel like there's a lot of positives to glean from his example in you know the ambition of always digging deeper and trying to do something that mattered you know i uh try to apply this to my own work of like if you don't care about it then what the fuck are we doing here yeah. <laughs> you know and and we talk a lot about that with you know the simpsons podcast talking about how you guys always make it you know so much better than it needs to be you know technically it's so much better than it needs to be for a primetime animated show it's our favorite thing in the world Absolutely. when you go above and beyond because you care about it and you can we never tell. quit everybody yeah. i mean we just work you know, we're actually like trying to make next season even better. <laughs> like, oh. like trying to yeah. like, work double hard. You know, I mean, this is season thirty-one. I'm talking about mm-hmm. That's one thing. Insane. I, <laughs> I wanted to mention about the Shailing show that was funny is that there when we do like a, a remote footage, like in this show, there's a golf ball. He hits a golf ball and hits the kid in the head, so yeah. it goes a distance. There were so little money that usually you see the writers as the extras, both in the first shot where he hits it and in the second shot. I love that. <laughs> it couldn't possibly be. And it kind of works for your show because it is so meta. No, I know. It is so, that is like perfect. Like, you know, when you write something that's meant to look shitty and you're just like, fucking for you. Like, I don't need to worry about like the seams showing on this. I think that it just pluses up the comedy in it. There's another one about that really makes me laugh when I watched it. It was a parody of The Natural, and it was supposed to be The Natural. It was this beautiful, lush scenery. And this what, is, what is The Natural? Oh, I'm sorry. It's a, a baseball movie starring Robert Redford. Okay. And um, I'm sure, I'm sure <laughs> you've, you've heard the, the theme. At least we steal it every chance we get. It's uh-huh. a, a Randy Newman Americana thing, and, and it's about this baseball player who 
when the young man strikes out Babe Ruth and then as an old man after he gets in a shot, he like hits a big home run that wins the game. And we did a parody with ping pong with Gary. Mm, and um yes. and, mm-hmm. and so the writers of the, the audience instead of we're supposed we had no bleachers, we're just a few of us in a field. And yeah, we're supposed fun. to be like this huge crowd and Tom Gamble would be going like he'd see Gary come up and goes, Who's this guy? But he's gonna be really good. I bet and through the town, <laughs> you're giving away the plot. <laughs> you're an extra and you're telling everybody what's gonna happen. Amazing. <laughs> I wanna talk about that that moment in the Gary Goes golfing episode because when the golf ball hits the kid it is so obvious that it is just a hand off camera because <laughs> you can't of course like injure for real this kid but it is it just like barely tepidly knocks off it, was, it made it funnier to be and the kid did a great job of just collapsing yeah, the actor. yeah. that was a great little kid actor i mean an adult actor now but like kids get hurt a lot on the it's gary shandling show like in season yeah. one oh, like boy. uh the son of the friend uh like gets his eye knocked out and has to wear like an eye patch and mm-hmm. he, they Scott try to yeah. Yeah, 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 very funny. yeah and they try to hide it by having him dress up as a pirate it's really great mm-hmm. i'm trying to think of what other shows you could compare it to other than larry sanders uh for for people that haven't seen it to kind of give them an idea but it, I mean it, the shows that came after it kind of reminds me of right. I mean there's there are levels of like what makes Wee's Playhouse so good and in, in, in that show mm-hmm. I think of, of just kind of like what an adventure fun yeah. experience it is well I was thinking specifically with the 25th anniversary and that was outside of the uh, It's Gary Shanling show I'm it was gonna, just a special right? yeah it was just a special but it, it, it made me think of the 138th episode spectacular that you guys did was that 138 for, yep. yeah. for Simpsons yeah and and like that being such a funny joke and commentary on these like stupid events that mean nothing like it just felt like that DNA overlapped directly too um and i want to say also kind of jumping around to different i guess stand up show examples it makes me think a little bit of of what john mulaney tried to do with his fox show the yes. short lived fox show who who i yeah. think is the, the funniest, funniest stand up in the world absolutely he's, i, I watch him with my mother and she's laughing and i'm i'm going like he's and my daughter yeah. likes it. I mean, yeah. everybody Everyone likes, likes him. him. He's yeah. so great. Yeah. Well, talk about like a stand-up that sort of defies what you know the stereotype for stand-ups are. When and I met him, like, he was depressed. really nice and upbeat. He's great. Yeah, yeah. I don't he's know so well. normal. It yeah. seems. He's so normal. Yeah, he. I mean, he always jokes that he's like a lost Kennedy who's just decided <laughs> to do stand-up. Um, but funny. yeah, he's great. And Big Mouth is really great. Have you watched Big Mouth at all? Yes, even yeah. Netflix animated yeah. show. Yeah, yeah that's my, your husband works on it. My husband works on. Yeah, yes. so I wanted to say that too. But he's such a fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much. Wonderful man. He would appreciate that. (laughs) No, but I I had to mention that, too, just because I had been just watching season two and his voice acting, John's voice acting on that is so funny. I mean, with Nick Kroll, too, but... um, Everything about John is really funny. The other thing I was going to say... And of course, I don't like him personally anymore. But the the you know total inspiration for people like Gary and Allen was Woody Allen oh, of and course. Annie Hall. Yeah. How neurotic! Yeah. And, and Annie Hall, you know, he talked to and camera. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of the, and, and he mm-hmm. would do format benders, and he would do you know jokes that again you had never seen before, like having subtitles when they were talking to each right. other. So that was something that was very heavy on their minds. Absolutely, yeah. What a what a frustrating, awful thing it is that people take the things that are the best away from us by doing stupid behavior stuff. Because yeah. Woody Allen is like 
was, I think, a lot of everyone's number one comedy guy. I, mean, I, I can't, are you, I can't are you talk- watch him now. I, yeah, I, it's, a, it's the uh, weirdest thing because he, he, he was and those movies are great, but I just... It's just too, yeah, yeah. Especially, well, especially when the subject matter is... Uh, the one that I still think I could watch later uh, because it's so far removed is Radio Days because yeah, it, uh, that one is so That's different. That's a great movie. And, so and uh, he's not in it. <laughs> so it's a little bit yeah. easier. <laughs> it's the little baby Seth MacFarlane. From- yeah, well, well, I mean, sort of on the... To, one more thing about Woody Allen and Gary Shandling, and then we can move on. But um, I, in thinking about the way that Woody Allen would approach his movies, and similar to how Gary Shandling approached his show, here are two people that you know did not bow to the convention of what you know a movie could be or a TV show could be. Like um, Gary could have very well have you know buried himself behind the camera or made it be a little bit more of like the traditional, you know, here's the narrative. I'm starring in my show. Let's pretend like I'm not who I am. I'm going to be Gary Mandling or something, yeah. you know. He would never do that. And they yeah. kept wanting him to do, you know, just as you were discussing the Back then, a stand-up would do, get a show where they were playing, you know, Cliff Huxtable, yeah. and they'd have kids, and mm-hmm. you know, and he would never do that in a million years. Like he was always going, like, "How can I do the way that you look at that and, and ridicule it?" Yeah. yeah, yeah, I love that. I mean, it, it to me, I look at that and go, "Well, just stay true to yourself." And like, you know, damn convention. If that's something that is true to you, like, you don't have to fit yourself into a box just because somebody is giving you some money to do it and but you know in your heart that it's not like the truth of who you need to be and now i don't know if you heard the news but off of those kind of shows of um the star is also it's their name like kevin james did you guys hear about that new show that rashida jones is doing it's called kevin can go fuck himself are you serious (laughs) yes that's amazing and it's 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 brand new news Um, oh my god they say it's a working title but i'm just like rashida that's amazing call me up girl like i'm ready <laughs> i love that so i i love that that kind of also feels huh. the dna of gary shanling show kind of paving the way for that kind of meta commentary well it's funny because the world is just so different in 30 years i mean there are 500 shows now mm-hmm. and there are so many things that are self you know now i'm sure people would look at the, that old show and just go like well a lot of people do the you know i mean things like the office and modern right. family have made that sort of thing you know standard and uh, it's it's just you know it, back then it was just three networks and Showtime and HBO and it was just really something it was like the hottest ticket for like people in the, in the business to get into for taping yeah part of me I mean I, I don't want this because it is a really great time if you are trying to pitch a show and trying to get your own creation out there are so many different outlets for you to do it the joke is that there is no such thing as TV money anymore truly uh, except for I think two people um, but there, part of me kind Kind of as a viewer longs for like just three networks and like you know no like paralysis of choice that goes on it made it simpler <laughs> you really could feel it. well you yeah. know another thing like you know not like people there aren't enough awards but you look at the emmys used to be for five performers for uh, you know, whatever it was, you know, 30 sitcoms, and now there's like 300, and there's still only six or eight right. Emmys. Yeah. And you go, like, it's really much harder. And there's so many things where uh, one of my favorite shows, my wife started to be watching, is Crazy Ex Girlfriend. So I thought good. everything yeah. about it is great. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, 
I, I go, you know what? In five years, that people would go, I wish that got a lot more Emmys. <laughs> like, they'll yes, be watching it absolutely. in retrospect. I'm so glad you like that show because I feel like, and, and this may just be a symptom that there are so many shows, I feel like I'm constantly telling people about that show and getting kind of blank stares back. Like, no, just trust me. Oh, it's fantastic. Me. It's so good. Uh, I, I mean, uniformly good. And my favorite, Adam Sussinger writes the music for it yeah. with Rebecca, of oh, course. Which, yeah. are, which is unbelievable. So you go, like, good. They do so many great songs, one per episode, uh, mm-hmm. in different genres. Yeah. It's, it's um, unbelievable. Yeah, and, and another thing, though, that they do, because my husband and I, we watch and we're, like, fanatical about it. Um, and, and after a while, because they're on their fourth season, you start to, like, pick up the little tropes that they do with their songwriting. Um, but it does feel like, going back to Carrie Shandling, like, there's always a moment where they comment on the song they're singing and almost that have a true. dialogue with either themselves or the person. Yeah, there's And a, I really love that. Yeah, there's a moment in an episode where two of the characters are just like, wait, are you actually in this song or are you just in this <laughs> venue with us? I really don't even know yeah, myself. And yeah. yeah, there's something so fun about that. And, and I feel like uh, Woody Allen, but then more so Gary Shandling kind of mm-hmm. like broke that. Okay, so uh, let's take another quick break and then we're going to get into some of your favorite moments about uh, Gary Goes Golfing. Hey, Kira. So Max FunCon tickets go on sale this Friday, November 23rd at 11 a.m. Pacific. And I'm trying to write a promo. Okay, so what do they need to know to look forward to? Inspiring classes. Live podcast tapings. A stand-up showcase. The s'mores party. Making new friends. Don't forget about the dance party! Oh, and it all takes place on a beautiful mountaintop. Okay, got it. Anything else? Well, if we missed anything, they can find all the details at maxfuncon.com. And And we'll we'll see see you in June. June! I think that went really that well. Really good too. I really, yeah, that sounded okay. good. Great job. Hey, we're back. Hey. <laughs> oh, what a good break. We did a whole song and dance number. <laughs> oh, uh, did we crazy record ex-girlfriend. It? No, I don't uh. think. Uh, they shut off the they 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 try to cool the machines on the brakes <laughs> so it doesn't overheat. Uh, so I will let we'll let you obviously please just take the floor and and kind of share with us uh, anything that you want to memories moments please take it away. Well, one thing that, that happened a lot on that show was there's a lot of improving and um, I remember Martin Mull improvised the line where he goes we really appreciate you Gary wrote a check for the charity oh yeah. check yeah. and then he goes uh, as opposed to what it's made out for yeah <laughs> I love that and line. that was a Martin Mull line and yeah. so when you, know, you had a guest star who was funny who dad lived something that would stay in the script no matter what. oh yeah <laughs> and the other um, funny thing that is. Uh, the closing credits, they would always have something really funny going on. You'd always have, like, not in this episode, but in the natural one, there was a thing where there was a little kid that played him. Again, a lot of little kids. <laughs> where he was, you know, chasing himself around this field. Yeah. <laughs> Which was another thing we were saying to Gary, like, when was this ever innocent? <laughs> like, when was this, like, an ending you could do to a television show? Yeah. But it was uh, – and. Um, what I liked about the golfing show was the, the, the two biggest things, just as something, you know, that I did years ago was it, it had a, like a, you know, whatever, a 10 percent of stuff that the original script that was saved. And it was also it, it stuck to a really clear story and it was really funny. Like it, a lot of the shows, it would be funny what they would say to us as they would go like, you know, we would do something like a um, 
uh, a Brady Bunch parody, and they go, oh, we don't do that on this show. We're going to do a flashback booth. And we go, wait, what is the difference? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're just giving it a different title. <laughs> My dignity, that's the difference. <laughs> what? No, I, they wouldn't understand it. But then, as I say, like we were there two years, and, and um, we felt like – we must have been doing something right because, you know, nobody, like, lasted too long. Gamble and Pross were there for more. And, and some people like David Merkin would come in one day a week. That's where I first met him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know. By his choice or by, by Gary's choice? Uh, by agreement. He was, some, he was smart on David's part because if you came in one day a week, you'd be the guy, like, people go, well, look at this. You know, this is, you yeah. know, what do you think? You're the fresh eyes. And if you're there, like, every day, people go, oh, nobody cares. What yeah. You're- <laughs> That's, what I, that's why I like freelancing sometimes. I'm just like, you just see me for a pocket, like yes. just this glorious hour. Well, I should start doing that at my you day should. job. <laughs> Don't tell anyone. Just yeah. start. Oh, I have another story, which is just um, this is a real thing. We had a little office mic. I had this tiny room, really, really small. And uh, we would write jokes from it until we finally got into the big room. But while we were still in the little one. Alan's Bell came in and he goes, I've got Charlie Callis here. Just t- take care of him. And so we had to like sit with Charlie Callis for an hour. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> he was like, I can do this. I can do that. I can. <laughs> like, That's know. amazing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So what were some of your favorite uh, moments in this episode? I mean, I really loved the ending, which we talked about a little bit. But basically, at the end of this episode, uh, you know, Martin tries to take over the hosting responsibilities. Yeah. And I said, like, well, as the guest, I thought that maybe I'd be able to do the ending. It's like, no, the difference between uh, a guest is that you won't be here next week like mm-hmm. just just immediately putting him in his place and you can tell but that, as, as yeah. i was gonna say as it, he was one of the rare people who also got to talk to the camera oh like yeah that, that was right. it's like a superpower gary very rarely shared with anybody and why do you think it is that he got to have that because he was martin mall because it was yeah. somebody a performer that he really really respected <laughs> yeah. Gil- gilda radner got to talk to the camera of course too. yeah 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 well you can tell i mean they were it's um they were close uh, outside of the TV show too, Martin Mole and and Gary yes. too, right? Yeah, yeah. And you can tell, like in this episode too, that I mean, even though it's like uh, super meta, they're just acting as themselves. But there is that sort of like friend chemistry that is like transcending, you know, that normal hired gun for an episode. Oh, kind totally. Of feeling. Yeah. In the in the sequel we did to it. Um, they wanted to cast a wife for Martin Mull and Gary said, you know who'd be really funny? Joy Behar. And this was before The View. And <laughs> mm-hmm. she was hilarious. She's a stand-up then, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She right. And she was hilarious. I'd never heard of her before that. And, mm-hmm. you know, now she's, like, you know, very, very famous. Mm-hmm. But still the same. Yeah, I love, um, I mean, so we've kind of, we're saying I know, I keep digressing. I no, know, no. Oh, my God. It's it's totally fine. Um, but, totally but I was going to say that, uh, like, we go, we start from the bottom, now we're here. Uh, we go to the top. I wanted to talk about the opening credit sequence, too. It's kind of a fun example of, like, not only, you know, having fun with that and sort of, like, having it be its own little, you know, side thing, but it also advances the story so that when we jump back in after the opening credits, like, he, basically he tries to golf and is just terrible, terrible, terrible at it. But I love the way it's edited, too, where he's like, at one point, using his shoes to, like, bank the bank golf ball. ball. Yeah. An- another, uh, if, if I recollect it correctly, it's it's another example of how cheap the show was. <laughs> it was just this tiny putting green with a camera placed directly overhead and mm-hmm. the ball going in and, like you said, the shoes to make the ball finally go in the hole. And it, it had to have been 
what what always would happen is is like Alan and Gary would write an episode and they'd have all these guest stars and all these sets and then it would come to our episode and they go we have no money left (laughs) (laughs) you get get a little square of astroturf (laughs) would that like be a bonus or would it would it hurt your creative process with that because sometimes parameters could be really helpful you're exactly correct and and uh Almost every show I worked on back then, we got to write what they called the box show, where it was mm-hmm. just the one set. Yeah. And there was one where they had had Gary get married, uh, and it was a huge episode with many, many guest stars. And we wrote one where there was no money, and Gary again pitched the idea, and it was that he was with his wife, and she turned into his mother. Yeah. And I didn't realize how scary that was from then. But yeah. mm-hmm. um, we actually got a writing award for that one when the one that was the big you know, spectacle didn't get it. And, right. and um, it was funny, because it was like we couldn't do anything except just keep having people turn into their mothers. <laughs> yeah, but at least you know like what game you're playing with that so that it's not like, yeah, the paralysis of choice of we could take this story in so many different zigzaggy ways. No, we're in this one bunker. Yes. We're in this one room. And so you kind of just like get to focus on the weird eccentricities of what that story could bring. And that's such a great episode. I didn't know that you worked on that one. That was uh, really the first time we won an award, if I can be a modest. And, uh, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So it was like, uh, <laughs> it was funny because, like, we, you know, I went up and I thanked, like, Gary and Alan and everybody. And then, like, Gary goes, you know, it's my idea. I said, I said your name. It's your show. <laughs> what else? And he goes, goes you've got a good point. <laughs> Typical exchange. One thing we did towards the end. We wrote this like pitch for Alan, and you know we were just like we were on The Simpsons now. We don't give a damn. And we wrote this pitch where we just said like Gary gets up, does a half baked joke, you know, wiggles his ass, and just does some, you know. And, and then Gary walks in and he goes, "What do you read?" <laughs> so Alan, of course, just goes, "I'm here." And Gary reads this whole thing, making fun of him, goes, "You got me." <laughs> Amazing. That's great. Cool. <laughs> I, it was probably about like the cheekiest thing we ever did. I love yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, they, again, go into it in the documentary, but it's like, you never know. When it comes to somebody that is so, like, tortured within themselves like that, you just don't know if that kind of pointing out uh, of their, I don't know, yeah, eccentricities, not necessarily flaws, is going to be the perfect thing that they need to hear in that moment and is going to, like, you know, have them respect you or it's going to be your downfall. Well, the funny thing is in that documentary, Judd, who worked on the later show, would go like, Gary would say, oh, come on over. Linda and I will make you some salmon. I go, when did that happen? <laughs> I never had any salmon. Oh, we man. We just, just like, had to work later. Yeah, it's like going through a breakup and then that person starts doing yoga and you're just like, what the fuck? <laughs> I, I got bowl breaking. What? <laughs> There's also a story that somebody on the second show had to pitch to Gary while Gary was swimming. So it'd be sort of like Flipper where he'd come up for air and you'd pitch and then you'd go back into the pool. <laughs> wow. He would do these like, I don't know, you know, again, he had so many things, I think, that were tormenting him. He really did would just shut down sometimes. Mm-hmm. And he, but then if you if you just try to connect to him on a human level, he would, like, snap out of it. Yeah. Well, what do you think, um, what lessons maybe that you learned from writing on this show that you then brought to Simpsons that sort of made it what it was at that beginning? The greatest thing in the world when we got to The Simpsons was... Instead of like having to have everything um, go through, uh, you know, one performer, suddenly we had a lot more control, mm-hmm. you know, under Jim and Sam and Matt Groening. And we just felt like, oh, my God, we are suddenly the ones that can like shape the whole thing and you can just cut and paste the audio. I mean, the actors are great in The Simpsons. I mm-hmm. love them all. But, you know, just this feeling of, oh, my God, and we can go anywhere and do it. You know, there's no constraints <laughs> with the sets. We just felt like this is 
I can't even describe like the feeling of like writing power. Like, you know, it was just. Yeah. Um, and, and again, the Shailing show was a funny show, but it was, you know, there were so many th- constraints, you know, just both in the sort of the rules of the show, even though it seemed like it had no rules and in the and in the budget and in all this stuff. And then we got to The Simpsons and then The Simpsons made money. So, oh, my God, you could do anything you want. I mean, it was. <laughs> right. It, so uh, can I ask? So it, having all of this freedom and an animated show to then want the critic to be live action at first. I know a lot of it was just because of obviously you know, being able to have John Lovitz, but um, was there a reason that you kind of didn't start out wanting it to be animated since you had just gone from that amazing experience? We did everything backwards. It was that we were supposed to do a show for Jim Brooks, so he had a development deal, and he said, you guys like John Lovitz, and we love Lovitz, and always have thought he was just hilarious and stole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I wrote a Simpsons that's on December 2nd that he's in, and funny oh, as always. Great. Yeah, and um, He hasn't changed his voice much at all to do voice acting for it? He, he <laughs> is the same... I hilarious <laughs> every you know cadence yeah he's it's uh, we have uh shauna uh chalmers's daughter gets bat mitzvah and he's the rabbi Yay. <laughs> and uh i i was the first bat mitzvah on the simpsons <laughs> it was really fun to write wow it took how many years 31 years <laughs> crusty was bar mitzvah but the first bat mitzvah right of course, of course the first bat mitzvahs didn't actually <laughs> now you've researched it come into existence till 1920. Oh. And, like, the parents of the girls, you know, talked to a couple. They said, you know, like, when you go to get the literature, there's a bookstore, and they go, oh, bat mitzvah? That's this little room over here. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Typical. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even Jewish, and I'm offended. <laughs> but with Love It, so, yeah, Jim said him, and then Mike said we should do, like, a, a film critic played by Love It's. And it, with the the only reason it became animated was because Lovitz was so booked. He was on all these, you know, mm-hmm. he'd been on League of Their Own. He was on the City Slickers, too. And then I said, well, let's just animate it. And then he can do it to his schedule. And then we can do all these movie parody. And then Jim was like, why didn't we do this in the first place? Right, right. <laughs> so, yeah. and then we were all like the same thing. Like, why didn't we, you know, it's just so weird. People, you, you do something that just seems like, oh, they're just doing a sequel to The Simpsons. But no, we did it in the exact backwards yeah. direction. <laughs> and, and, you know, and we also wrote, I think I mentioned before, they wrote the script backwards where we wrote it that only Lovitz could do it, but we didn't have a deal with Lovitz. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like, oh, my God, we got to right. get this guy who well, doesn't know yeah. us yet. Sometimes you have to go to hell and back for either, like, the idea of the process of writing it, like you write it from a completely different angle, or, like, you just, you know, try a completely different way. And then the answer was, like, literally, you went left and it was right. You know, yeah, I'm I feel sure, like you know, that like, happens. The movie High Noon, you know, never mm-hmm. worked. And then the editor just edited it differently and put in different clips and suddenly it's it's a masterpiece there's so mm-hmm. many things it's like amazing. star wars i think we had a terrible screening you know everybody was like oh you know this thing makes no sense and then when you put in the effects and the music you know like suddenly it's like a totally different thing and you know no you never know you never know till the thing's done right right and then you just see that audience reaction you're still holding your breath until that happens oh, Are they believe gonna get me it? yeah no <laughs> we had screenings for the simpsons movie where after the second screening we were pretty sure it was a success mm-hmm. but not not till then. I mean, like it took that long, and and we had done like huge rewriting in the last three months of it. That's yeah. so scary. Yeah. Uh, oh well, it was. You know, it was one of those things we didn't have to do it, and then I, you know, I feel so much pressure all the time on the, on the basis of the show. And if the movie was bad, like the X Files movie, I was disappointed in. 
right. Sex in the City too. Like I always go, oh god, that movie made no sense. <laughs> yeah. like, Sex in the City too. No, I, I, Sex in the City one is good. It is pretty good. I, <laughs> Sex in the City one was alright. I just I'm laughing because I would never have guessed that would have been the next example to come out of your mouth. <laughs> no, no, no. I say it to Jim Brooks all the time when we were talking about sequel. I just remember Sex in the City two yeah. was so bad. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, like that movie. The, the, the Samantha character, and I'm sure it wasn't the actress's choice, but she's like having sex in, in a Muslim country where it's going to get everybody killed. <laughs> like, yeah. If you had a friend like that, you'd go, yeah. you're a maniac. Yeah, Why are you doing That's that? That's where we draw the line, Samantha. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. I remember. You're out of your mind. Yeah, reading the press for, uh, and I want to say too, I want to out myself. I saw that movie in the theater. Yeah. Um, no, but, me too. Who same. Would... Yeah, by myself. Um, Going to the movies is fun, you guys. It is fun. Um, but I, I remember reading the press for that and it was like, um, yeah, we, we we, you know, did Sex and City one, and and that was its own thing. We, you know, wanted to do these certain thematic things. Now we're just having fun. We're having just a fun romp. It's Girls them night. on holiday. <laughs> yeah, it was them on holiday, but then sort of like skimming over the fact that it's like this country that is not. Um, yeah, yeah. The well, best I, for of, that. of course, I'm not a woman, but I always thought people liked that it was women in New York. Like that, that was the thing yeah. that everybody related to in the show. Right. Like it was like being single and being in that. Era. Like nobody thought, oh, it'd be great if they went. To Saudi Arabia. Yeah. <laughs> Where, of course, like they can't even dress like they dress yeah, on the show. That's yeah. half of it. <laughs> yeah, I bet it was just written on a napkin and then the script was done in a weekend. I don't know. I, I'm sure it was more work and more. I but, bet, yeah. yeah. like, so yeah, uh, you're always going just, you don't want to screw it up. Right. Because a course. bad movie can really screw up the whole, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, even, you know, the episodes that we've had that are unpopular, which I won't name, but, you know, like, oh, you never hear the end of them. Like, people go, oh, Oh, that thing you did in season 23. Oh, why did you do it? Like, right. We've done 600. You have yeah, to, like, they can't all be perfect, and we try. Yeah, I always say it's hard to write season two of a show, and you guys are doing the Lord's work. Well, I know. 31. <laughs> actually, but, yeah. I did say that to my dad, but it, when the Catholic Church actually commended The Simpsons, and he was really aggravated. <laughs> did, uh, so, uh, did your dad uh, like the show? Did he Did he like uh, Scary Shandling's show? Was he was he generally pretty happy My mom and dad were in it. Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> way a, to bear the lead. <laughs> yeah. There was a, a scene. I forget where it was. They were they uh, were out visiting me in Los Angeles, and there's a scene where they're both in the in – the, again, everybody got to be extras. <laughs> like, yeah. So. That's fun. <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh, Mike Reese has a line. They had people who looked a little bit like Michael Tucci walking uh-huh. in. Yeah. And they go, well, Mike looks enough like him, so he had a line. Yeah. That's uh, fun. That's yeah. great. I like that. Yeah, I was on um, one of my first writing jobs. I wrote on the Aquabat Super Show, and that was sort of the thing that they wanted to do, too, to have the writers be on camera, too. But that was purely, yeah, budgetary as well. I know. It, I love was, when, it was I love no when Easter egg. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just funny that then The Simpsons does that, uh, and they animate them, because they could animate uh-huh. it, or they could draw anybody they want. And it's just such a nice inside like piece yeah. of... It's fun for, I assume, the the staff but it's very fun for the the huge nerds who are just like that looks like you know mm-hmm. it's, well, it's i have so to fun. say the itchy and scratchy staff we didn't know we didn't ask to be animated into it like rich moore did it and then sent it so i knew oh, it was going to happen but i did i didn't like you didn't ask. demand it no yeah. I, <laughs> right, I wouldn't right. have, I wouldn't have been happened. that present except schwartzwalder we always wanted to put schwartzwalder in oh yeah. sure 
Yeah, yeah. That, that's happened in uh, in Mad issues as well, where it would come back and the entire staff has been parodied, and we all realize that we have uh, visual flaws that we didn't know Aww. that we had because it's a caricature. So if, if we could close, kind of just uh, just uh, on final thoughts of of your experience on the show, and or a a we already kind of talked about lessons about like how much more not more fun, but how different it was uh, taking your uh, like education from this show to The Simpsons. But if you have a lesson from your experience there, we'd love to hear it. Well, you can be working till 3 a.m. on the lowest rated show and it could turn into the best thing of your life. Oh, <laughs> it's, I love really, that. it's true. It really was what happened. And I, I miss the guy. I, you yeah. know, I is one of a number of people I wish I'd spent more time with him. I was shocked that he died as young as he did. I didn't know he was ill. Yeah. You know, I had just, you know, emailed him, you know, recently and, uh, uh, he's very missed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you can feel the ripples throughout the community, whether the from the people that actually knew him to then the work that was Many inspired. Comics. Yeah, like Sarah yeah. Silverman, just for oh, really man. like you know mentored by him and mm-hmm. Judd. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. left such a. I mean, it's it's also. I mean, you'll hear it from the documentary too. But like, he, he's definitely a comics comic. But he was, you know, obviously a huge deal. He had two huge tv shows and stuff mm-hmm. but yeah even even people my generation and younger i think are, are gonna uh, learn who he is and and really be blown away by it so for our listeners who who don't really know gary shandling yet definitely watch it's gary shandling show um i i think everyone's gonna be super excited to have learned what they did about kind of working on it and your experience so al thank you so much for coming on this has been so much fun a great pleasure thank you absolutely yeah. and then is there anything that you could plug other than the episode coming up that uh is going to have john lovitz or anything going the on the episode with john lovitz also has Gregory Peck. We have footage Whoa. from what? the plot. The plot is that <laughs> um, Lisa reads To Kill a Mockingbird and starts, and Homer does something really nice and she starts seeing him as Gregory Peck and we got clips from the oh. movie. Oh, fun. With Gregory Peck and, uh, pardon me, I forget her name, but the girl who played Scout uh, yeah, gave yeah, us yeah. the rights too. So, <gasps> Uh, so cool. it's it's really sweet. Uh, That's one of my favorite movies. Oh right? my god, of course. Yeah, yeah. it's like truly I one of the best. Tear up mm-hmm. when I see it. So. Any anytime that I see a kind of rundown house, I just say that Boo Radley lives there. It's just like kind of like yeah, yeah. I, gosh, that's going to be so fun. You've been uh, saying that about my house. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> gotta get one in. <laughs> uh, okay, awesome. And then uh, people can fa- find you online and tweet you only nice things. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Percentage wise, it's really high. I honestly, <laughs> that's yeah. good. Good. <laughs> It's not what I'm sure saying that makes people go, fuck you. I know. It's so stupid. I mean, yeah, Josh Weinstein on our, uh, when he was on, I think the first time he said that, like, even in season four of The Simpsons, when dial up internet was the only internet, people would be like waiting hours to just write worst episode ever. So the internet has always been just a cesspool of. Terrible, I, I re- retweeted a comment saying this show stinks. It's not good anymore, and it was <laughs> from the premiere of season two. <laughs> it's been that long. I mean, so maybe you know I can. I'm the least objective person in the world, but I've literally been hearing that for 29 years. Yeah. Oh, sure. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much. This has been so much fun, uh, Julia. Where can people find oh, you? Thanks so much for asking. <laughs> um, you can find me at Julia Prescott on all the things. Allie, where can people find you? Oh, thank you so much for asking. You can find me at Allie Gertz on all the things. You can find us at Simpsons Pod. We are going to be in Denver at the Draft House at Sloan's Lake on December 1st. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are going to be doing a live episode uh, with Alec Owen, who was on the show pretty recently from Dude Bro Party Massacre. 
Massacre 3 and Five Second Films. And then on December 8th, we're going to have Bill Oakley at the Mississippi Studios in Portland, (laughs) Oregon. Uh, So we are very excited. Get your tickets to those before they sell out. Mm -hmm. Make them sell out, please. And uh, find us uh, here on Max Fun. And I guess buy our book, too. Oh, yeah. Buy my (laughs) book. Yeah. I know you can't mention the critic without saying buy my book. (laughs) Everything's coming up. Simpsons is a production of Maximum Fun. Our show is engineered and edited by Jesus Ambrosio, and our senior producer is Laura Swisher. Swish. Swish. Smell you later. Smell you later. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.